There's something wired in our DNA to be compassionate for others, to spread kindness, to spread joy. That's what keeps this whole thing going. It's Wednesday, November 30th, and you're listening to the Breathe and Think Better podcast. This is a live talk show that takes place on TikTok weekdays at noon Pacific time. We talk about breathwork, meditation, mindfulness, and other techniques related to happiness and well-being. If you're looking for fulfillment, peace, clarity, or just some smiles, you're in the right place. Check out the show notes of this episode for links to additional information and free resources. Today we're talking about happiness. What is it? Where is it? How can we get it? And more. Let's hop right into today's conversation. Hey, Jake. Hello, Danny. Happy, uh, what day is it? Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. It is a gloomy Wednesday in San Diego. It is gloomy, but that's okay. We're, uh, we're here to brighten up, brighten up everyone's day. For everyone joining us right now, this is Breathe and Think Better Live. We're a live TikTok talk show that takes place weekdays at noon Pacific time. And we talk about meditation and breath work. But we also explore all these other different techniques we can use to live happier and more fulfilling lives. So if you're looking for happiness, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for clarity, you're in the right place. That's what we're going to talk about here today and every weekday. So as always, if anyone has questions in the room about meditation, about breath work, about happiness, happiness, about anything. We'll talk about anything you want. Go ahead, toss it in the chat, and we'll address those questions as they come in. But I wanted to kind of start today's conversation talking about happiness, because we talk about happiness on the show so much. And I think it's something that it's kind of like, it's hard to define. So I thought that we could kind of go back and forth on that idea of happiness and talk about what happiness means in our own lives. And then for people in the room, maybe you can share some of the things that that you guys think happiness is or what makes you happy in your life. So I'll start on this idea of happiness. So I think a lot of people think happiness is a feeling, right? It's like that warm, fuzzy feeling that you get when something's going your way. But I think that in reality, it's much deeper. And, you know, I don't have a definitive answer as to what happiness is. But that's kind of the fun part of this conversation. There is no correct answer. So why don't we start with this? I think that happiness for me, I experience it most most directly as like a feeling in my body, uh, I think, and, and obviously in my mind as well. But it's kind of like comforting, joyous. Those are like the, the words that come to mind when I think of happiness. What do you think, Jake? I think happiness for me is being present and... Um... I, so this brings up an interesting idea because Shinzen Young, he's a Zen Buddhist teacher. He's one of our mentors here. He calls his meditation practice, he calls the goal of his meditation practice, working towards the big happy. And basically what he does is he teaches people how to tune into your sensory experience, what you see, hear, and feel with concentration, sensory clarity, and equanimity. And so I think kind of zoning in on the equanimity part of it, where you have this inner balance. If something good is happening to you, you're not getting too high. If something bad is happening to you, you're not getting too low. And having that equanimous attitude throughout the day, I think is happiness for me anyway. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. And I, I like how you brought up the attitude throughout the day, right? I think that that's an important kind of measure 
all of us can kind of look at to see if we are truly happy? You know, what is your, like, what's your temperament as you go through the day? Are you easily frustrated? Are you experiencing a lot of anger? Are you experiencing a lot of sadness? Things like that. And then I think another interesting thing to think about is, is like, what makes you happy? Or like, how do you find happiness? And again, there is no answer to this. I think it's just interesting to think about. And now that I'm listening, or now that I'm digesting what you just said, I do think that presence plays a huge part. Like how present am I in whatever I'm doing is a good indicator of how happy I am. And I think if, you know, if I have unhappy days or unhappy times, periods of time, I'm definitely less present. Those are times when like I'm finding more distraction. So I'm burying myself in, in you know, my phone or video games, um, I don't know, things like that. Not that those things are bad, but I think when I'm when I'm not as happy as I could be, those are the things that I kind of fall back to because they allow for that distraction and they allow for that, you know, temporary disappearance of of all my problems, even though, you know, not really, but but it seems that way. And uh yeah, so I think that is a good indicator. It's like what is your day to day mindset and like what what are you doing throughout the day? on those times when you're either happy or, or you think that you're unhappy? I think a good way to define unhappiness for me is when I want to be doing something that I'm not doing right now. So if I'm like scrolling through, through social media and I'm like, dang, I wish I was there doing that instead of right here doing this, that would be a good definition of unhappiness. Or I have like this, strong mental chatter and I'm like, dang, I wish this mental chatter would go away. Like that's a good definition of unhappiness for me. And I think a good definition for happiness is when I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing, even if it's not something that I want to be doing. Like we talk about dishes all the time. Like if I'm doing the dishes, but actually like present, paying attention to doing the dishes, I would describe that as me being happy. If I'm doing the dishes, trying to just get them done and get on to my next thing, I would describe that as me being unhappy. That's an interesting definition of unhappiness to think about because innately we we do want things we don't have. We do want to be doing things we don't have. We have that innate ability and tendency as humans to to put our, or take ourselves out of the moment and to want to do the things that, even if we're doing something pleasurable, this is an interesting one, even when you're doing something you love, there's still that tendency to, to wish or want to be doing something else. I experience this almost every morning when I'm walking Clyde, my dog, uh, we'll go up to like Kate Sessions Park, great park in San Diego. And it's, you know, usually a beautiful day in San Diego. I'm walking around. There's so many times throughout my day when I wish that's what I was doing. I wish I was walking around with Clyde. But while I'm walking around with Clyde, I wish I was doing something else. And, you know, it's it's a tendency. And, and I notice it and just kind of like let it come. And, and it does go away. It's not persistent. But it's it's an interesting way to judge unhappiness because of that tendency we have to to not be focused on what we're doing and to want to be doing something else. And they talk about this a lot in Buddhism about how, you know, we we are never satiated with whatever it is we're doing. And that's that's just something you have to accept and then and then redirect to the present moment. And that constant redirection to whatever it is you're doing is the way you combat that. 
I'm in a community called Day One, and it's a community of entrepreneurs. And this is a really interesting subject to talk about with entrepreneurs. Both Danny and I are entrepreneurs as well. And when you're building a company, you want to grow. You want to create a sustainable business. You want something that doesn't exist yet. And so to define happiness in entrepreneurship is a super tricky thing to define because this is something Danny and I do every single day. We're building a company. We're creating an audience. We're creating different income streams to create freedom for ourselves. And we're doing it in such a way where we want to make you know, ourselves and everyone around us better people. That's why we chose meditation. But to define happiness to an entrepreneur who is trying to scale, trying to create something that doesn't exist, I think the only way you can define it is if you're being present. Because when I'm sitting down trying to create something new, if I'm present, then I'm happy. If I'm lost in thought saying, why doesn't this exist yet? Should I be doing something else? Blah, 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 blah. That's when I'm unhappy. It's a really tricky thing to navigate. It is. And, you know, we keep coming back throughout the beginnings of this conversation to that idea of presence. And, and I think that we both know through direct experience that presence has a lot to do with happiness. And when we're more present, we're more happy. But for, for someone on the kind of on the outside of that, someone who maybe is not practicing meditation, not really familiar with what we're talking about, I think they can still relate. Because if you think to your most happiest memory, right? Try that. Try that as a thought experiment. So if you're listening right now, bring up one of the happiest memories you've ever had, whatever it is. I can bet that during whatever moment that was, you were extremely present. There's almost no way that you weren't because otherwise it would not be your happiest moment. We need to be present in order to to see, to feel, and to find the happiness in each moment. And there is no way otherwise that I know of to experience it. I want to bring this up now. This is kind of different from, from what we've been talking about, but it's related. So we've been talking about happiness and we know that presence equals happiness. What do you think, Jake, about money and happiness? Because I think that that's something that everyone always brings up and it's a huge talking point. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy when I'm not worried about money, when I'm not thinking about money, you know, and, and Danny and I, we, we work on a company together and we also go out together and have fun together. It's like, it's so funny. It's like, we talk about money so little because it, it, do, it does not matter to us like at all, as long as we have it. It's when, it's, when we, it's when we don't have it, when we're like stressed about paying rent or stressed about buying lunch or whatever it is, because it's like, it's just the necessary means to have freedom. Like we want to be able to work on something that's important to us. That takes money. That takes time. If you want to have time, you need to have money. Otherwise, you need to go work for it. And we live in a, in a culture where there's constantly things to do. There's constant, like I always say the joke, like money just falls out of my pocket because like, because like, I'm not thinking about it. And, and when I'm out and about doing things like if I want to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to take it's so easy to just take out a card and just put on a card. I agree with with what you said and those sentiments. And I think for anyone listening, my, my stance on the money doesn't buy happiness thing is I, you can't it's not that simple. So I think that 
in order to be happy, you need there needs to be a baseline, right? There's there's a certain baseline where you need to have your basic needs taken care of. You need to have a roof over your head. You need to be able to afford food, gas for your car, your payments. You, you can't be worrying about debt collectors and all that. That's going to seriously impact your happiness. But I do think at some point money has diminishing returns when it comes to happiness, right? You, I don't, and I think this level, like some people, there's, there's one study where they talk about this $75,000 a year mark as like the, the general mark for, for happiness. And I, I think that it depends. It really depends on, on where you live and how you live, right? There's a lot of people that I know that can meet all their basic needs and have excess with, with 75 grand. And then there's a lot of people I know where that wouldn't even begin to cover their, you know, their expenses. So, so it really depends. But I think that for everyone, there is this baseline. And once you've achieved that baseline, more money kind of has diminishing returns. Like it can help. And there, there is one interesting study I've heard referenced. I'll see if I can dig it up and put it in the show notes of this podcast. But they look at millionaires versus like, you know, multimillionaires. So like the guy who has a million dollars versus the guy who has $50 million. And they measure their happiness. And there actually is a, a big difference in that benchmark. But again, I think it depends. Every person is so different. So I think that you can't say money doesn't buy happy, or at least I'm going to say that that money has diminishing returns. So it's not it's not a linear, you know, the more money you have, the, the happier you're going to be. It does not work that way. But I think that you definitely need, you know, to reach that baseline in order to achieve a level of happiness. And then then it depends on the other things that you're doing in your life. Yeah. If you talk about money buying happiness, you need to ask yourself why. Why is this money buying you happiness? Well, you want to get a nice car. Well, why do you want a nice car? Do you want to attract, like, do you want a beautiful car to attract a beautiful person? Do you want respect? Do you want, like, you have to ask yourself why you want those things. And you just need to keep asking yourself this. Because I actually found myself in a situation three years ago where I was like, okay, I have enough money to live on for a few years. I had been working, like, every single job that I could think of. Like there was one point where I had five different jobs, you know, and I'm like working around the clock and I, I love working. Like I, I can't like sit still, like I, I need to move around and stuff. And I had been saving and investing and like just got to a point where I was like, okay, now I need to do something meaningful. <laughs> like, and now I like, I like, I don't care about any more money right now. Like I need to do something meaningful. And then it's like, of course, three years into an entrepreneurial journey, I'm like, dang, we need to make some money. <laughs> like, yeah, right, like, right. Then, then you start getting worried about it. And so it's this it's this dance that you got to play just like everything. Else. Almost all psychologists will agree that things like fulfillment, uh, things like community, things like relationships, love, those are all much better markers for happiness than than money is. And but I think, you know, it's people it's the first thing that people think about when you talk about happiness almost always when you have this conversation you know it's oh you know i'd, I'd be a lot happier if i had more money so I, it's a really interesting dilemma that we face you know as as humans and i think that there's also like this um what's the word i'm looking for like this uh, the status there's this status thing that comes with the money too and and that's important to us and in you know we can sit here all day and say that it's not important to us but at the end of the day it, it is just based on our psychology as humans we're primates and and the hierarchy in in primates that's embedded in our brain is is important and we want to be higher up on that and and when you're not that you know it can it can affect your happiness and and things like money can can help you buy status and and you know and get into these, you know, exclusive places, whatever. But we digress here a little bit. 
So we've talked about happiness. We've talked about what we think happiness is. We've talked about money and happiness. Let's kind of dive in a little bit to the things that are available to all of us that we can do to to help us, you know, be happy. Obviously, meditation is one. We've already kind of talked about that a little bit because that helps build presence. So I'll take uh, I'll take breath work on and uh, and talk a little bit about that. So. Breathwork is amazing for changing your your mind state in the short term. So if you're, you know, if you're kind of experiencing a down energy level or or you're stuck in a rut of frustration, there's a or anxiety, panic attacks, all those things, there's a lot of breathing exercises that can help you. We've talked about them in in extent on the show. You can find all of those previous episodes by looking for Breathe and Think Better on your favorite podcasting platform. But breathwork can actually help with happiness levels too because over time, if you're routinely practicing breathwork, you're practicing cha- flipping the switch and changing the channel on your mind state. And once you get to a certain level of that, you become very good at, at switching that channel and you can do it much more easily. So it can, it can allow you to circumnavigate negative emotions much more easier, thus leading to higher levels of happiness. But uh, what do you think about breathwork and happiness, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I think a good practice for everyone listening to practice right now is just hold your breath and feel what it's like to hold your breath and try to go as long as you can holding your breath. The only thing you're gonna wanna do is breathe. (laughs) And so it cultivates a little bit of gratitude for you just just by doing a simple breath hold. Because before we started talking about breath work, while you were asking the question, Danny, I was thinking like, okay, a, a gratitude exercise is a is a great place to start and like why a gratitude exercise it's because your brain is like a record of the past and so if you are writing down things that you're grateful for you will remember things that you're grateful for you'll actually cultivate good feelings of gratitude gratitude is such a strong high energy that you know that's why we want to do these types of exercises because we want to create these high energies we want to create peace love and joy those energies are boundless those energies just break through walls like you can literally walk by a building a store and you can glance in and and you can catch just the corner of someone's eye and you can get a feeling if they're happy or not like that's why they say those energies are boundless and that's why they say like anger and negativity like it just dies and crashes in the dirt like we're wired there's something wired in our dna to be compassionate for others to spread kindness to spread joy to spread peace and to spread love that's what keeps this whole thing going yeah a hundred percent and and i think that you just hit on a on a big part of happiness that we haven't talked about yet and it's fulfilling that innate thing inside of us that wants to be altruistic right that's a huge part of being happy is we want to help people as as people and and fulfilling that uh it it reminds me of a there's a really famous scientific study where they give random people 20 bucks and for half the people they say go buy yourself something and for the other half they say buy something for someone else and Every single person that bought something for someone else ranked higher when they interviewed them afterwards to see how happy they were. And that that's it right there. Doing things for other people makes us feel better than doing things for ourselves. And that's that's one of those tenets that you'll find throughout religion, you'll find throughout spirituality, psychology, everywhere. 
It's a very well-accepted truth about the human experience. You know, it's important to us to find ways to help other people. And one of the best ways that you can start that is by helping yourself. And again, back to meditation and breath work. These are the two things that we stand behind, that we practice ourselves, that really help us open up, take a look inside, and and just find ways to to be true to ourselves. And and part of being true to yourself is helping other people. And and once you've, you know, the the longer you meditate, the longer you do breath work, the the happier and more fulfilled and content and you're going to be. And that just allows you to help other people more. You know, you they always say, you know, you have to help yourself first or love yourself first before you love someone else. And and it's true. The you know the the more that you dive into yourself, the more you can then open up to other people. Yeah, if you if you wake up and the first thing you do is go on social media or send that energy out somewhere else, that's not going to be the best way to to help out other people. Now, of course, there's outline situations, but if you want to if you want to talk about good habits, if you want to talk about something that you should repeat every day, it's like you want to send that energy inside first. Like you want to focus on your breath first thing. You want to focus on what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Just focus on your sensory experience. And it's interesting how, so Danny and I were just listening to this podcast uh, at the same time the other day. And it's this, uh, I believe it's Jordan, what's his last name, Danny? Um, Are you talking about Stephen Pressfield? Stephen Pressfield, yeah. So Stephen Pressfield talks about the muse, and the muse is basically like when that idea comes, it just pops into your head. And, and he calls that idea, he calls that the muse. And so if you want to create something, if you want to figure out what to do, oftentimes you just need to focus on what's present, which is your breath. Your breath is always present. What you can see, hear, feel is always present. You focus on that. And then all of a sudden the muse shows up and kind of helps guide you on what you should do next. And again, it's like once you – if you can get yourself into the state to to accept that, then it's going to be all the more beneficial. So so when you, when you practice shifting your mind state into a, a calm state, into an alert state, whatever it is, the more you practice shifting your state, the more accepting you can be of these things when they appear to you, you know. And Stephen Pressfield calls it the muse. Other people call it – you know, energy, uh, whatever. It's there's um I can't remember who the author was, but there's a very famous author that Stephen Pressfield mentions in that talk, where he he says that I think always oh, is it was it was, uh, it was Tesla, is it it Nikola Tesla said that Tesla believed that he was just a like a transponder that was and the ideas were coming from somewhere else and he didn't know where um, he had theories, but they would just he was like these aren't my ideas. I'm just open enough to accept them and they're just coming in. And that's – it's the same view that Stephen Pressfield has. He just refers to it as the muse and the muse comes to you and, and will help you, you know, give you ideas and and that's what – that's – and he's a very successful author too. So this is a guy who knows a lot about creativity, knows a lot about hard work and he's he's very adamant on this idea of the muse. Very, very fascinating guy and I'll link to his work in the show notes of the podcast as well. It all comes back to regularly – shifting your mind state and and kind of mastering that technique, which both meditation and breath work, that's what they are. Yeah. And you can do a thought experiment right now. Like if you pay attention to the mental chatter going on in your head right now, you do not know what you're going to think of next. 
because you don't know what I'm going to say next. I don't know what I'm going to say next. When you really pay close attention, you do not create your thoughts. You do not choose your thoughts. Like, yes, you can purposely think of something, of course, but you don't know what you're going to think of next. You don't know what's going to capture your attention next. And so to go with what Tesla said, just being the responder, like that's a pretty accurate way to describe the human experience. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of psychologists too, and this this will be something we can dive in on a whole episode. But uh, there's they have like names for the for the for where ideas come from, you know, different dimensions, uh, different, and 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 then a lot of really smart people throughout history have theorized a lot of different things, and we still don't know. You know, uh, you could say like, oh, you know, it's just electrical impulses in the you know between the neurons in the brain that generate thoughts. It's like, yeah, that's you know physically what's happening, but. But there's something else there, you know. It's a, what is that other thing? And and like I said, a lot of really smart people have tried, and we don't know, which makes it a, a really fascinating thing to to talk about. So we'll we'll do a whole episode on that. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll jot that down. But um, we've got a we've got a few minutes left. Uh, do you want to lead us in an exercise, Jake? Yeah, I think we should do a, a little mindfulness meditation and um, kind of just show ourselves some gratitude for for showing up today. Love it. All right, so it's available to you. You can just go ahead and sit down in your chair and be in an alert, upright position and bring your attention to your breath for a moment and just check in on your breath. You can kind of stretch up on your inhale and relax into your seat on the exhale. Just noticing your breath come and go. Noticing specifically where you can feel your breath, either on the tip of your nose or on your skull. And your next breath, I want you to send the breath deep into your belly down into your pelvis area, almost hit your hip bones with your breath on the inhale. Just sending your breath to every corner of your body. Filling yourself with energy on the inhale and relaxing your body on the exhale. Now I'd like you to open up your awareness to whatever sensations arise. Could be the luminosity of your visual fields or the characters of sound appearing and disappearing, or the chatter in your head. Perhaps you're more in tune with your body and the feeling of air on your skin or any vibrations or tinglings, any expansions or contractions or emotions running through your body. Notice how your entire sensory experience is just firing. 
you can show yourself some gratitude for checking in with your experience right now, for making it this far. Life is neither easy or simple. And the more we show ourselves gratitude, the more enriching our life can feel. Go ahead and start wiggling your fingers and toes and open your eyes. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Breathe and Think Better podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes of this episode for free resources and additional information. If you want to learn more about breathwork and meditation, visit breatheandthinkbetter.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.